Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome everyone. I hope you're well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you're listening to Shaken Awake, episode number 59. I wanted to thank you for tuning in with us today, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, right this very moment. It means uh, everything to me to share the messages that God has laid on my heart to share with you. And as always, I promise you another great show. Uh, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord, not just uh, listening to another podcast. Um, so a quick ask, if you found value in these episodes, would you kindly take 20 seconds, 30 seconds after the show to... Uh, to go and submit a quick review and a star rating in your app or online. And that's what potential listeners look for when deciding if a show has potential value and whether it's worth their time. So we if it has value for you, it may have value for them as well. So without further ado, let's get ready to invite God in with us right here, right now, and allow him to speak directly to our hearts and minds. Uh, today's topic is on who are we to complain about suffering? Okay, this will tie into this, the next Shaken Awake episode. It's going to be a two-part message. So this one's about, uh, you know, one is about abuses that we suffer, and the other is about abuse we should be willing to to suffer, all for the name of Christ. So when I say suffer, uh, several descriptive words come to mind that I'm sure you'll relate to. Heck, you'll probably you can probably add to the list, right? So uh, some are betrayed, falsely accused, rejected, abused, humiliated, right? In fact, I'm certain then that um, many, if not all of you, can raise your hand right now. I know I can, and say that you have been. In such suffering, or that you are experiencing that suffering right now, you know we we all have degrees of suffering, both in our past and our present. And the longer we live, it's assured that we'll continue to suffer, at least to some degree. And if you haven't or you aren't, ask yourself why. I had to. I had to many times. Whether it had been from you know posed uh, from uh, to me from another Christian. Or uh, my conviction uh, through the Holy Spirit in thought and in, and in reading God's word. So some of my darkest days were that of non-suffering. You know, I was living, you know, quote unquote, living my best life. As that, that awful saying goes today, I, I was not doing the work of the Father, but I was doing the work of the God of this world, Satan. You see, he had me so comfortable and complacent and satisfied with everything and everyone around me. I, I rejected anything and everyone that I perceived as a possibility of causing me to suffer. So here's the transparent comment that I need to make. When I look back, Jesus was included in that mix. I didn't want to get too religious or have a true relationship with our Lord because I knew I'd have to suffer to some degree and relinquish all I had made for myself with creature comforts and kind of this bubble that protected me from suffering. Can any of you relate here? You know, I don't believe I consciously made 
the decision to keep my distance from God, but the God of this world always does a perfect job of putting the blinders on his sons and daughters so they can't see clearly as God intended. I was caught in, in as much as most non-Christians are today in, in a cycle of living that was for me. It wasn't to live a life for Christ. It was to live the best life for me and to suffer as little as possible. Again, because I thought John 3, 16 was literal in that because I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, and his blood covered all of our sins. It was my, let's call it admit one ticket into heaven. See, and that's where the devil deceived me as he attempted to do with Christ on several occasions, but namely in the desert as he tempted Jesus many times, most of which he attempted to use the very words of God to make his point. I fell for it. You know, all of us did at some point in our life and many still do. You know, Jesus, he suffered innumerably while he lived a short life here on earth. It was only 33 years. So that was over 2,000 years ago. I'd go to say, as far to say that there isn't a person alive now or has ever been that would have been able to endure what Jesus did and was still have continued in the faith or being perfect and doing the will of the Father. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul is a great example of how to run a strong race and to fight the good fight and to suffer for the Lord. But come on, Paul was no Jesus. Let me explain. Jesus was betrayed. He was he was betrayed. And not only was he betrayed, but he was betrayed by one of his own disciples, Judas Iscariot, who will always be known as the betrayer of Jesus. He literally broke bread and dined with Jesus, ultimately selling his body for 30 silver coins, probably a, you know, a few thousand dollars in today's measurement of money, and even delivered him with a kiss to hand him off to those who would try and then kill him. Talk about betrayal. You know, some of you think a Facebook friend that doesn't like one of your photos or two or three is betraying you. Some of you believe if a friend makes, you know, plans with you and then backs off last minute, they've betrayed you. Some of you believe if a partner lies to you, then, you know, they've betrayed you. Okay. Have you ever have a, had a loved one as much as your own son or daughter or family member sell you off to be killed for no other reason than greed? I didn't think so. Me either. So who are we to say we're truly suffering from betrayal? Furthermore, Jesus, you know, does Jesus not know betrayal at its worst in order to understand and help you through your betrayal? Of course he does. Jesus was also falsely accused. How many of you were and, and are still? Isn't it a terrible feeling? You know, Jesus was accused of blaspheming God, which led to his torture and murder. He was God. Let that sink in. You know, we, we, we get upset when a, a co-worker or a friend or a peer makes an accusation or a statement that we know to be untrue. And we flip out or get defensive. Do we not? Isn't it painful? Imagine how Jesus felt when he was whipped and beaten and spit on and crucified on a cross for what they felt he did wrong. That either A, he did not do, and or B, 
what he did do was perfect and justified by God and directed by the Father himself. Jesus, you know, says continually in the New Testament, I do what the Father tells me. If you've seen and heard me, you've seen and heard the Father. You know, Jesus was accused of breaking Sabbath for going about doing good, healing people, allowing his disciples to eat when they were famished for words that he spoke that were divine and from heaven and for being the Messiah, as was already prophesied in the Old Testament to which they had and were, were supposed to know by heart. Yet they couldn't see him. They were blinded. So the best they could do would was falsely accuse him. Even Herod and Pontius Pilate could not find one thing that, quote unquote, this man, as they said, did wrong. They tried to reject declaring Jesus guilty, but instead they simply gave up. And they gave him back up to the crowds because they didn't, they didn't want to deal with the blowback. Furthermore, does Jesus not know being falsely accused at its worst? in order to understand and help you through your false accusations? Of course he does. Jesus was rejected. How many of you have been rejected? I get rejected every week on numerous fronts. How about you? I'm sure you have also. But when we get rejected, what is our punishment? How does it affect our tomorrow? It, it typically doesn't. Does it hurt our pride? Yeah. Does it hurt our ego and perhaps confidence? Sure. Does it ruin our lives and make us want to give up hope? Surely not. Yet Jesus received constant daily rejection from everyone, including his own disciple, namely Peter. Of all the love Jesus had for Peter and Peter had for Jesus, Peter rejected him. Not once, not twice, but three times and in one night. You, you say, oh, you know, let the mark of the beast and the Antichrist come. Bring it on. I'm ready to die for Jesus and be martyred for being Christian. And I'm going to say right now that some of you are deceiving yourselves and you will not. How do I know that? Now, I'll cover that on the next uh, episode. But what are you doing now to show your commitment to Jesus and get out of, out of your comfort zone to help spread the good news as he has, has instructed you and every one of his followers to? And then ask yourself, why not? I know this was because Peter said the same, that he, that he would die for and with Jesus if need be and would bear the cross for his namesake. And Jesus, knowing better, told Peter not only would he not and that he didn't realize what he was saying when he said that, but he proved to Peter that he wouldn't even admit to knowing Jesus. And at three times in one night, no less, he rejected the notion that he followed or even knew Jesus. Why? Because his life and his safety were more important than acknowledging that he knew or followed Jesus. And he had been with Jesus night and day. He was seeing the miracles firsthand, truly believing that Jesus was the Messiah. And yet he wouldn't even say he knew Jesus. That's how I know that many professing Christians will depart the faith and deny their master and savior Jesus Christ when the mark of the beast system comes. And it's a very sobering thought, is it not? Only the true children of God will hand themselves over, as Jesus did, to be executed in a horrible way. For doing nothing more than believing and bowing down to the one true God. 
Furthermore, does Jesus not know being rejected at its worst in order to understand and help you through your rejection? Of course he does. Jesus was abused. You know, we feel abused when we're taken advantage of. When we're, you know, verbally attacked or physically attacked, we feel, you know, abused if we're hurt by those we love consistently. Jesus knew abuse like no other. Almost every time he did good, raise the dead from the grave, heal the sick and the lepers, restore eyesight or speech or hearing, forgave someone, he was attacked, mocked, and abused verbally. You know, on many occasions, the Pharisees sought to stone and kill Jesus before he would, you know, slip slip away through the crowds. He was abused by the soldiers that were given the go-ahead to begin beating him. And then again, while they were on the way to crucifying him, and while they were crucifying him at that, can you imagine? You've been perfect. Can you imagine? You've been perfect in going about doing nothing but the best for everyone you encounter. And you're being beaten and whipped and spit on and mocked and having a crown of four to six inch thorns hammered into your scalp and skull, your clothes removed, a king's robe put on you as they hand you a reed as a as a makeshift staff and bow down to you in mockery and blasphemy and continue to kick and hit you and laugh the entire time. Can you imagine not only making it through that, but having to carry your own torture device on your back to its place? Being whipped and spit on and mocked by everyone. Your own clothes being gambled for who gets what? Then a sign hung above your head mocking you for who you are, yet they still don't believe the truth and they're standing many feet below you looking looking up as you're bleeding to death, suffocating, and in the most excruciating torture to continually verbally and physically abuse you. Can you imagine? No. Of course we can't imagine that, nor could anyone. But Jesus endured any of that, let, let alone all of that, even until death. And he did it for the Father's love for you and I, not for him. Nothing anyone has ever endured or will ever endure is worse abuse than that. Furthermore, does Jesus not know what being abused is at its worst in order to understand and help you through your abuse? Of course he does. Jesus was humiliated. Can you imagine... After all the abuse and torment, the torture and pending death, and they hang you up naked on the cross before all your best friends, your family, those who love you and those who hate you? Jesus can. Jesus did. As if all he had endured wasn't enduring enough, wasn't horrible enough. After they gambled all his garments away, he was stripped of all the remaining dignity and decency remaining and was forced to be nailed to a tree and hung naked in front of thousands. Have you ever had that dream where you leave the house and, and, and you're in front of people in your underwear with no clothes on? I have. It's embarrassing and humiliating, right? And aren't you so relieved? I know I was when you, when you woken up to discover it was only a dream. Jesus didn't have that ending. His was for real. And at any time, like he said in the garden, he could have called down legions of angels to take him away to complete safety in paradise. 
Yet he did this for God's love for you and I. Furthermore, does Jesus not know being humiliated at its worst in order to understand and help you through your humiliations? Of course he does. I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it again and continue to say it. Who are we to complain? Who are we to say we have it bad? Who are we to think Jesus doesn't understand our problems or that because God didn't answer our prayers yet, right? They're not important to him. He suffered for us and he did so that his blood would cover our sins forevermore. And so that he could identify with us everything and anything we would and will ever experience. So his mercy is is justified and true. He took on that pain and suffering and humiliation and abuse for us, not for him. The question I have for you, which will be part two of this podcast in the next episode, is how much of your betrayal or being falsely accused or rejection or abuse and humiliation is for him and not you. His was for you. Why isn't ours for him? For he said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Question is, does the world hate you or love you? And if it truly does hate you, Is it for Christ's sake or your own? So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. And I I hope you were touched uh, by today's message in scripture. If you'd like to reach out to me, please call me directly. Uh, You can call or text 407-493-3208. You can email me at ben at shaken-awake. Dot com or check out the show at shaken-awake.com. So next, Shaken Awake will be part two of today's message, and I will also provide details on my two new podcasts coming out in May for The Lost and also a daily podcast for everyone. So again, Shaken Awake will continue airing uh, new episodes once, twice a month. So if you're subscribed, uh, you'll be notified the moment they're completed and are live. So, so listen, if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, Shaken Awake, please do so right now. Uh, I'm on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, just about everywhere and anywhere podcasts are played, including my site, uh, shaken-awake.com. So until next time, guys, take great care of yourself and each other, and God bless you all. 